Welcome to an emergency edition of the Balance of Power Roundtable, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Matt Robeson, joined by former U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes and conservative commentator, analyst and consultant Alicia Preston. We were going to discuss on this show the Democrats' agenda, the Inflation Reduction Act, and the progress that Democrats have made on legislation and substance over the course of the last couple of months. And then that entire story got stepped on by the raid on Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump's Florida home by the FBI last night, and all of the massive fallout that we're seeing online and in the news this morning. So obviously, we want to immediately convene and talk about that. Before we get into the politics and how all of this is going to play out um, in the in, in the back and forth between the parties, I want to just focus on the pure legality first. We're very fortunate, Paul, that in addition to being a former congressman, you're a former prosecutor, you were an assistant attorney general under, by the way, David Souter, uh, in New Hampshire. And so I want to turn to you for just a, a quick understanding of what is going on here. So my understanding is that when the FBI executes a raid like this, they need a warrant, meaning they need to show probable cause to a judge that they are likely to find evidence of a crime. That's as far as my understanding goes. Could you kind of fill in some of the sure. pieces here. <laughs> sure. So let's start with the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment, the United States Constitution, protects um, citizens um, from intrusion by the government uh, without uh, probable cause to believe um, uh, in this case that there is evidence of a crime to be found there. So um, the FBI um, has uh, agents and they have been investigating uh, potential criminal activity uh, in this case of mob boss Donald Trump. And there are a number of different investigations going on that, as we understand, there's an investigation that's been going on into uh, the crime of improperly removing classified information from the White House to Mar-a-Lago. Uh, there's a Presidential Records Act. And if you violate the Presidential Records Act by removing information improperly, uh, that is a federal crime. And in addition, we know uh, now that the Justice Department and its agents, of which the FBI um, uh, is, a, is a, are the prime investigators, are investigating other alleged criminality by the former president, um, inciting the insurrection, trying to overturn the election um, and all of that. So what an agent uh, or agents of the FBI need to do is if they and in this case, I'm pretty sure uh, that what happened because of the seriousness of searching the home of a former president of the United States, something that's never happened. The FBI agents who are uh, doing the investigation um, will have to set out uh, in a detailed affidavit. Um, we believe um, that a that we will find that that this search of the person's home is necessary because 
um, we have reason to believe that there is evidence of criminality to be found. Now they have to go further. They have to say, we reasonably believe that we will find and then they have to detail as best they can. We believe we will find documents. We believe we will find um, other evidence. They have to then set forth the crime that they believe the documents relate to and they have to prepare this in an, a sworn affidavit where they swear under oath. This is what it is. In this case, it's very likely that this then went past Merrick Garland. Um, given the historic nature of this search, so that the investigation and the warrant um, probably went to the attorney general. And from there, if he said, yes, proceed at that point, it goes to an impartial judge. It goes to a federal judge who then has to review everything submitted with um, and he looks at it for particularity. He wants to make sure have they properly identified the material they want. Have they done that in a properly narrow way so that it's not overly broad? Have they properly identified the crime they believe that the evidence relates to? And is there the correct relationship of the evidence um, to the potential crime? And if so, he then issues a warrant. So a warrant um, for the search of the home is not something the FBI issues. Folks, this is not something the FBI does. The mm. judge issues the warrant for the search. And can I just push you on that point for a second? And then I do want to turn to Alicia in a moment. One of the things that you see in reaction online in real time right now, and I'm, I, I got to admit, I'm, I'm kind of monitoring Twitter as we record this, is Look, there there was a lot of controversy about the FISA warrant, the 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 foreign intelligence. Anyway, the, the warrant that was executed against the Trump campaign that was later found to contain inaccuracies and omissions that the FBI should inspector general found were were slipshod at the least. And so I guess my question for you is. Based on your experience, I would imagine that the attorney general, the Department of Justice and the judge, the federal judge in this case, would have been extremely aware of the gravity of the particular target of this search and of executing this search warrant. I imagine that they would have applied very careful scrutiny to dotting the I's and crossing the T's on this one. They would not have undertaken it if they were not very confident that this was going to stand up. Is that is that your impression? Well, remember, Donald Trump in the statement that he issued, the the crazy statement, um, said this is the first time this has ever happened in history. So everybody, I think, was aware that this has been unprecedented in terms of having to go and search the home of a former president. So I'm sure that the utmost care was taken. The FBI is not a political organization. Donald Trump would like to claim and fire up his base by claiming that the FBI and the Justice Department are all tools of the Democrats. It's just not true. And certainly the judge who issued the warrant is no political animal. 
Um, so I'm sure everybody was pretty careful in this case not to make mistakes. And the and some of the facts are have been uh, reasonably public um, in that the archive, the, the federal archives asked for the asked for the documents that that people knew had been taken. They asked for them back. Trump said, yeah, I'll give them give them back. And he hasn't given them back. So that there are, you know, it, it, it's kind of a known quantity. Um, and by the way, remember that this this uh, action by the um, FBI and the Justice Department follows news reports that Trump's lawyers and the Justice Department were already engaged in conversations. And I speculate that it may very well have been conversations mm. surrounding the return of these documents, um, which is why Trump said in his statement, perhaps uh, we are cooperating with the Justice Department. Well, I, I just want to back up everything that you just said with an article in Business Insider that um, appeared late last night. Um, the, the headline is Feds likely obtained pulverizing amount of evidence ahead of searching Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, legal experts said. And based on their reporting and reaching out to legal experts, they said that there must have been a pile of evidence to back up a warrant authorizing this particular search because of the raids focused, noting that it's just not an easy task to secure a federal search warrant against a former U.S. president. OK, oh, that's that's the law of it. Let's talk about sort of the immediate politics of it. And Alicia, I want to really lean on your expertise here, because, you know, for our, for our national listeners who, who don't know, you know, you're a consultant. You work with Republican campaigns. You you know an awful lot of you moderated a, a recent Republican U.S. Senate debate. And so you're you're pretty embedded in the politics and the reaction of this. What do you make of the Republican reaction? It's interesting. Politico noted that it seemed to fall into two camps. Largely, the reaction was a rallying around Donald Trump, but there was some caution especially on the part of Republican Senate leaders like Mitch McConnell, John Barrasso and John Thune, who may be kind of waiting to see where all of this goes. What did you make of it? I think everyone needs to calm down because there's a whole lot we don't know. Um, I think those on the right that are rallying, you know, that want the heads of the FBI and those on the left that are already, you know, drawing pictures and fantasizing about Donald Trump in an orange jumpsuit. Everyone needs to relax because we have no idea which is the biggest problem. If you're going to not before, we all know you can't do it before. But if you're going to raid quite literally with the FBI, the personal home of the former president of the United States of America, I want Christopher Ray and Merrick Garland behind a microphone today to tell us why. For the listeners who don't know, I am not a big Trumper. I have been quite critical of the man for the last five years. This isn't about Donald Trump. This is about a precedent being set of raiding the former the home of a former president of the United States. They better have found whatever they were looking for. And it better be a big, big deal, because if they did this 90 days before an election and it is not a big deal and it is not a smoking gun. What they have done is burn this country to the ground, proverbially, and in some instances, quite literally. So to Christopher Ray, who is a Trump appointee, I want to point out, director of the FBI, and to Merrick Garland, I hope it was worth it. It better be worth it. I will stand cautiously back. I think most people should on the left and the right, because we don't know. But whatever happened 
Either the former president of the United States of America committed a crime significant enough for the FBI to raid his personal home Mm. or our most important treasures of government, our law enforcement and our judicial system have been weaponized. Either Mm. one of those things is a really big deal. Right. That's well said. That is well said. And, you know, again, for for our our national listeners, people who don't usually uh, catch this show and Alicia Preston's commentary, I just want to be clear that you are a particular you have you're like Liam Neeson. You have a particular set of skills. (laughs) You are a Republican who is no fan of Donald Trump and feels free to be very critical of him and all that he does. I enjoy it. Lasting credit. Yeah. yeah. I enjoy it. Yes. Right. It it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. (laughs) I mean, I think you, you raise a really interesting point, which is that Donald Trump has once again, as he has done several times, really put our entire system to the test because this falls right at a, a dividing line where reasonable people can, can, can truly disagree. There is an argument that, Paul, you have made many times on the show, both from your standpoint as a member of the first branch of government, the, the, the legislative branch, the, the U.S. Congress, and as a member of the third branch of government as a prosecutor, that no one is above the law. That is the key principle of American democracy. We have no kings. No one is against the uh, no one is above the law. And it upholds our system of government to prosecute, to investigate, to go after even the chief executive, even the president, if he or maybe someday she has likely committed crimes. On the other hand, Alicia, your point is very well taken that we really begin to get into some dangerous territory. And you do see this in the messaging emerging from Republicans last night and in real time unfolding this morning, which is that they're saying This is a bunch of third world country stuff. This is, as you say, weaponizing the Department of Justice to go after political opponents. That is the very thing that Donald Trump was impeached for, right, was trying to weaponize his position in the government to go after his political opponents. And obviously it is beyond the pale. It's something that we cannot tolerate in American democracy. But again, 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 (laughs) This is this is sort of like it's such a gray area. It's such it's such a ticklish topic because it's not like you cannot ever investigate or go after someone who has been in politics or even the leader of a country if they have bona fide committed crimes just last year in France, which is very much a a world-leading democracy, a Western democracy. In France, authorities convicted former French president Nicolas Sarkozy on corruption charges. In Czechoslovakia, former prime minister Andrzej Babis was recommended for indictment for fraud in 2019. Same thing in Bulgaria. Former South Korean President Park Jun-hee was convicted for abuse of power. Same thing in Slovenia. We've seen a disgraced former president of Germany prosecuted for corruption. In Israel, uh, uh, former Prime Minister Ehud Olmert was tried and jailed for accepting bribes and for obstruction of justice. By the way, obstruction of justice being very much something that is on Donald Trump's account. The point being, I kind of agree with you, Alicia. If you're going to go for this kind of thing, you'd better have the goods. You'd better have the goods. But 
I, I tend to agree also with the idea that to fail to do it just because this person is a former head of state would be betraying American ideals and American system of government. And we, we can't just have the Department of Justice sit idly by. I agree. But but there is something else to be taken into consideration here. And this is the part that we don't know. Not one of us knows this. And that is the FBI and the Department of Justice. I mean, yes, to Paul's point, a judge issues a warrant, but they ask for one. Right. They gather the information and say this is why we want it. I do believe they should take into consideration the impact of doing so based on what the alleged crime is. Look, if you know, right now, all we know is he's accused of taking documents from the White House. He wasn't taking them. Mm. These better be some big documents. These better be who killed JFK and he's going to release it. Right. Or or where Area 51 really is. This better be like the. I thought Marco the, Rubio's father killed JFK. I, that's didn't, right. I didn't forgot Ted about Cruz that. say that? Or was it Ted Cruz's father? It was Ted Cruz's father. Republican lies are are kind of go on, please. But if you're going to go after a former sitting president of the United States of America for something that we know of right now, illegally taking documents from the White House that he shouldn't have had, it's got to be enormous. And yes, I think the Department of Justice and the FBI should take into consideration differently than they would on someone who wasn't a former president. What will the result be in this country if we do this? And is it worth it? Is okay, it worth me, it to our let democracy? Me give you, let me no, give I want to br- wait Paul, a second. I bring Hold you on. in on that. I want to bring I, you in on this exact point because yeah, what I, I, Democrats I, I, are saying this morning is, um, hello, Hillary Clinton and her emails. Isn't this the exact same freaking thing? Listen, you know, I'm I'm tired of the cries of lock her up. Donald Trump is um, ha- has set many firsts for this country. Um, he He's the first um, uh, crime family boss to be installed in the White House. He's uh, the first president to have been impeached twice. Um, he's the first president to have incited um, an insurrection against the Capitol and to have plotted a coup. Um, he it sounds like he is the first president to have stolen classified documents. Some of these documents, apparently, according to news reports, are so classified that they can't even be described. Now, that's a pretty high level of classification of the documents. It's true. We don't know what's in the warrant. It was a sealed warrant. It's true. We don't know what are in the boxes of documents that Donald Trump allegedly stole. It's true that there may not there may never even be charges, which is not unusual. Um, sometimes there are searches that produce evidence, uh, but but there aren't charges. Um, but the course of conduct of Donald Trump from the beginning of his presidency through the end of his presidency and now um, certainly are firsts in the history of the nation. He is the corruption that our founders feared. And frankly, um, you can talk about the political implications of this. Uh, if his people take to the streets, they will be appropriately dealt with. Um, if there's more insurrection or coup activity, they'll be appropriately dealt with. His lies will continue. That is true. He'll continue to whip up his base. But the chickens are coming home to roost for Donald Trump in an appropriate and measured fashion. And it's Donald Trump who wanted to weaponize the agencies of government. He wanted to weaponize with loyalty the FBI that he demanded from Comey. He wanted to weaponize the military. He wanted to prevent um, anybody from doing anything about the coup and the insurrection. Merrick Garland is no weapon of anybody. 
Well, I was going to jump in because I'm doing what you're doing as we're watching this all break in real time. And I looked down at Twitter for a second and Andrew Cuomo, former governor of New York, has sent out a tweet. Oh, that's unwelcome. I agree with Andrew Cuomo. Those words have never come out of my mouth. Oh, no, 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 no. Do not cite him as a source. Can, can, just yeah, I, friendly advice. Friend to friend. I'm just going to say. You're going to cite Andrew when Cuomo? Even Andrew Cuomo agrees with me. I think I'm right. Oh, no. All right. Go hit it. DOJ must immediately explain the reason for its raid, and it must be more than a search for inconsequential archives, or it will be reviewed as a political tactic and undermine any future credible investigation and legitimacy. Oh, my gosh. You know what Donald Trump is thinking right now? I mean- Who knows what he's thinking right now, but he's probably thinking, thanks for nothing, Andrew. Wow. Just what I needed. The endorsement of Andrew Cuomo. You know, next, Vladimir Putin is going to weigh in. Politics makes strange bedfellows. Now it doesn't. Uh, uh, Yeah, Uh, I'm I'm not going to say that. I do think, Alicia, I want to go back to something very interesting that you said before. You said a lot of interesting things before, but I, I do think the very first thing you said when I asked for a reaction was, let's all just cool our jets. I know that Twitter demands that we immediately have a take and that we immediately come down on something. I think the wisest thing that anybody has said in all of this is probably from you a moment ago in in that we should all slow down. By the way, that's also really good political advice for both Republicans and Democrats right now. Alicia, you're right that on the Democrats side, it does seem like, well, hold on. You know, I well, and I want to get to this in a second. Like, hold on. First of all, if we don't have the goods, we are going to look very dumb here. Second of all, and I want to I want to return to this point. Democrats are in the middle of their best week in years. And right now, this story is just stepping all over it. It's happening on this show. We were going to talk about Democrats' historic achievements, and now we're we're talking about Donald Trump again. It is this is the conundrum, the political conundrum of Trump over and over and over again. You have the bright, shiny object of the latest outrage. We call it this week in Trump on this show. And Democrats are going to get sucked into this story. And somehow they have to not because they're in the middle of amazing historic achievements. And instead, they're going to talk about Trump. But Republicans should really be cautious, too. I think actually Mitch McConnell is being quite wise here because isn't it kind of dangerous for them to get out over their skis defending Donald Trump before they know what was found in this raid? What if you do find some classified information? What if you do find information that is evidence of criminal wrongdoing? What if this is part of a Trump cover-up? We don't know what's in there. And that that should have them tapping the brakes at the very least. Oh, I, I, I think everyone should stand down and let's wait and see. I, I maintain, you know, Chris Ray and Merrick Garland need to provide the American people with something today because we deserve that. This is our former president, whether you voted for him, like him, don't like him. This is unprecedented in American history. Um, and, and we need some answers. They can't tell us everything if they've got a prosecution to consider, but they can give us a hint as to why this was done. Because I, I look at Twitter and, and, and Facebook and all the other social media. And there I went to bed last night with people literally saying stuff like uh, tomorrow the war begins. We're going to take to the streets. I mean, look, January 6th happened. People gathered in Washington, D.C. to attempt to stop the execution of democracy. This 
people are willing to do this. And who's to say they are not willing to do this again over this? So we've got to have some answers. Everyone should calm down. I think Mitch McConnell's right. I think those calling for calm and let's wait and get the answers are, are right. And beyond that, I think from a strictly political consulting standpoint, if you are coming out and taking a stand today, either Democrat or Republican, you are making a foolish mistake. It is bad strategy because at the end of the day, you don't know what the outcome is here. Okay, Paul, let me so turn to you let, on that let, point. Because can I? Let, oh, go ahead. You, you go okay, ahead. But I want to. Okay. I want to push so, you on this question of whether Democrats are stepping on their own best message. I, I get the. I get. Listen. I. I get all the political back and forth. I get the Twitter. I get. I. I get all that. I get people are upset. Okay. So in a criminal investigation, um, uh, Christopher Ray doesn't have to say anything to anybody. Uh, Merrick Garland doesn't have to say anything to anybody. Uh, They have been appropriately circumspect because there's an ongoing criminal investigation. Anything that is said by either the FBI or the Justice Department about the ongoing investigation could imperil uh, the investigation and the integrity of the investigation. So I'm sorry, Alicia, your curiosity may be killing you, but you're not going to hear anything from Christopher Ray or Merrick Garland about what's in the warrant or why they did it or what they found or any of that. It's going to come out in due course if it ever comes out. But that's how it's going to be. Your point about everybody standing down and letting justice do what justice does is a good point. That's the right thing. But of course, it's political. And Matt, I take your point that um, from if 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 uh, if the if the Justice Department and the FBI were political animals, they might not have done this. They might have said, hey, if in fact they were tools of the Democrats, they might have said, oh, yeah, we're tools of the Democrats. We don't want to step on their parade right now. We're not going to do this. So what but they're not political. They're not thinking about the politics and they shouldn't because the Justice Department and the FBI need to be above politics in order to protect the integrity of their work. So the politics are going to play out as they do. Um, yes, Donald Trump is now featured again in the news cycle. And and maybe that's taken some of the um, ADHD attention of the electorate away from the success of the Democrats. But we've got a long we've got a long way to go, um, a long, long way to go on this. So I'm with Alicia. Just everybody calm down in due course. Uh, there will either be indictments or there won't be. We'll see the evidence or we won't. Um, uh, and from a political standpoint, Matt, I take your point. This, you know, it, it it's not great to have Donald Trump in the news. Well, I, and I, I'll, I'll go ahead and reverse myself here because you raise, I think, a compelling argument that we can get overly focused on the 24 hour or 72 hour news cycle. There is, let's not forget, there news continues to happen, right? Like time moves forward. That's the nature of the universe. And there's going to be new news tomorrow. For example, we're we're going to sign the 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 bill. President Biden is going to sign the bill for veterans who were exposed to toxins as part of burn pits. And President Biden is going to sign the CHIPS semiconductor legislation. And the House is going to pass the Inflation Reduction Act. And then next week, I'm sure in a big ceremony, President Biden is going to sign it. So as much as, boy, it would be nice for the next week or so if Democrats could do nothing but just pile up legislative achievements, I think you're right, Paul, that in the longer run, 
in the run-up to the 2022 midterms, and of course, in the broader sweep of history, it's really not that significant if the news media and all of us on social media lose focus for the next few days, because our focus is going to get dragged back. Uh, Let me maybe turn to that for a little bit. I mean, Alicia, what we were going to talk about today was it's kind of hard to deny that Democrats have been on a little bit of a run recently, and it has been represented to me by Republican friends that Democrats don't quite have this right. Now, we had Naveen Nayak, who is the head of the Center for American Progress Action Fund. He was the head of research for Hillary Clinton's campaign. He's a very in the know and perceptive political analyst. He made the case on Beyond Politics yesterday, and I urge people to check that out. Great episode, really interesting conversation. He made the case yesterday that, yes, the Inflation Reduction Act on its own is a big deal, but it is part of a run of really good news and that the political winds are beginning to blow a little bit more in Democrats' direction, that that the game has changed essentially over the last month. Republicans who I know are saying, no, Democrats, you're you're in a bubble. You're, you're fooling yourselves. This bill isn't going to help you. Where do you come down on that? I agree with the latter. And, and the reason is because and, and look, both political parties do this. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. There's so much I hate about the process of Washington, D.C. And this is one of them. It's when they name a bill something to make it sound really good and has nothing to do with what's inside of it. And that's what we're seeing with the Inflation Reduction Act, right? It's it's all about climate change. 300 out of the 430 billion is about climate change, which maybe that's fine. That could be great parts. It's not going to do anything to reduce inflation. And where I think the Democrats are living in a bubble on this when it comes to political outcomes and the effect in November is you just told the American people you're going to have big, pretty signing ceremonies telling the American people I'm going to reduce inflation. And guess what? I'm still not going to be able to serve hamburger on taco night come November because prices are still going to be up. They're still going up. We're looking at an, at a recession knocking on our door. So at the polls, at the voting booths, the proof is going to be in the pudding. So you can get a week's worth of good headlines and happy ceremonies. And isn't this great? And look, a bump in the polls. But when I go and vote in November, no matter what party I'm voting for, I'm going based on this economy. Nine out of 10 of us are going to go based on this economy and how we can feed our families and pay our bills and pay our heating. And so, yeah, I I think it's a bubble to say that we're going to worry about a headline that was in a newspaper in August, as opposed to the electric bill that comes in our mail the day before we vote. So, Paul, the case that Naveen made on the show yesterday is this is sort of the piece of the puzzle that ties Democrats' whole narrative together, that they're going to be able this November increasingly, and because of the Inflation Reduction Act, they're going to be able to draw a pretty straightforward narrative contrast between Democrats and Republicans. Democrats are getting things done. They're focusing on issues like inflation that you care about, and they're also delivering on other priorities that they said they would. They're focused on substance, whereas Republicans are the party of Trump, coups, lying, insurrection. Where do you come down on that? Do you think this is as much of a a missing piece in that puzzle as Naveen made it out to be? I think that the passage of this act, even though it's much smaller than Build Back Better, it's certainly not the $10 trillion or whatever that Bernie Sanders wanted to see. And that's probably a good thing. Um, 
uh, it's good that cinema and mansion uh, came on board with this. Um, I do think that uh, if I was in the electoral politics business and the messaging business again, I would now be able to draw very clear lines and present a very clear choice about what the ver- different parties stand for. You could say Democrats stand for holding corporations responsible. We have now a minimum tax. Democrats stand for protecting and and enhancing a uh, Medicare uh, by being able to uh, negotiate for drugs. Republicans want to get rid of Social Security uh, and Medicare. Democrats have taken action that's fiscally responsible to reduce the deficit. Republicans just want to blow it up. Uh, Democrats have made our alliances across uh, the, the the seas stronger, and we're standing strong behind the Ukrainians, uh, Republicans, uh, and Trump are toadies for Russia. Um, so you can draw parallels up and down the line. Um, and frankly, with the Mar-a-Lago thing, you can also say we're the party of the rule of law, and they are the party of coup and insurrection. Um, we're the party of democracy in both small D and big D, and they're the party of dictatorship and autocracy. Um, they do not believe in basic American values. We're out to protect the vote. They're out to take away your vote. We're out to protect women's uh, freedom uh, and all human rights. They want to strip away your freedom and liberty um, at every turn. There are now, I think this is sort of the t- a touchstone. Um, it's not it's not everything, but it allows Democrats to make a values argument and a choice argument that would have been, I think, less powerful without the passage of this act. I do think that, yes, it it, pre- it presents that contrast. But I also I also took away from what Naveen said a really insightful point. I, I just I thought it was interesting, again, commend the whole episode to our listeners that it does seem like build back better as Alicia, I think you offered on this show many times was a messaging mess. It was too much stuff like kind of crammed into a package. It was an unwieldy sausage filled with things that individually may have been delicious, but also you suspect that there's a lot of ears and snouts in there. Right. And also it was huge. $2.2 trillion is just a kind of a jaw-dropping figure. This is a much cleaner messaging angle for Democrats to try to maintain. And one of the interesting things that Naveen brought up is it does seem like Republicans have struggled to message against it. They have not yet found their footing on why this is bad. It's it's unclear why they're against lowering prices on insulin, on medications, on letting Medicare negotiate for prescription drug prices, lowering prices for seniors, and also lowering costs for the federal government. It's unclear why they're against tax credits to make renewable energy more affordable. The major impact of this bill, by the way, is going to be, and Democrats don't love this, is going to be on large energy companies. 
ExxonMobil is not unhappy about all of this because they are now incentivized to do the kinds of investments that they already wanted to do. If anything, you're going to see greater profitability from some of the large legacy oil and gas companies that are trying to transition their business into more renewables. And of course, it's hard to see how Republicans argue against reducing the deficit. I've seen them kind of test drive a lot of different arguments, a lot of different messages. I just haven't seen one that sticks. So, you know, Alicia, I guess I should turn to you on this point. Do you think that there's a clean hit that Republicans have on this bill particularly, or do you think their messaging is more likely to be what you put out a moment ago, which is let's, let's not get caught up in Democrats legislation. Who cares about legislation anyway? What people care about is the economy and inflation. And that's what Republicans are going to focus on. And that's still going to be a winning argument for them. Well, it should be a winning argument. And the hit against this bill should be very easy. And the hit against the bill should be they're lying to you. It's called the Inflation Reduction Act. And there is not one economist in this country who has come out and said it's going to actually reduce inflation anytime in the near future. They all say if there's a long In the long term, not in the near term. No one says near term. They're all talking long term. Now, long term, one guy I read this morning says three to six months. Another person said it'll take six months to a year. But when people say I want my inflation reduced, it's because I want to be able to afford to go grocery shopping next week. Now, it's very plausible. There is nothing the federal government can do to reduce inflation next week. But don't lie to me. The, the hit against this bill is they called it something that it doesn't do. It affects climate change. If you care about climate change, great. It does the Medicare drug thing. If that's a good thing, great. Don't lie to the American people. That is we're done. We're done being lied to by Democrats, by Republicans, wait, by wait, everybody. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I, that's come a on, Alicia. Soft, my friend. That, no. okay. Oh, you that, go, Paul. You that, go. That, that kind of whining about what the bill is caused kind of falls on deaf ears. It's kind of like I have nothing bad to say, so I'll complain about the title of it. Well, yeah, maybe people will think that the federal government is going to put more money into their pensions because it's called the IRA. Maybe Irish Americans think that we're hearkening back to the bad days of the 70s and the 80s uh, when uh, the IRA was all about the Irish Republican Army. Uh, but the name of the bill is not a lie, my friend. The main and name of the, the bill way, is a lie, and, 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 and it affects and, and it minimizes and, the effect on actual wait, struggling oh, American oh, families. Oh, hold the on. federal government just said you're going to improve oh, our economics now, now. in our household. And it's now, a lie. Now, 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 a now. lie. Gas has fallen below $4 a gallon in many, many parts of the country. Gas is coming down. If you look at the various prices in the price index, They've begun to come down. Wholesale prices are down. Things are going to get a little bit better over the next couple of months. Do we still have a problem and more work to be done? Of course. But if Democrats actually take an action that will affect all kinds of things for Americans, yes, they can. And you and the, your Republican colleagues and friends can whine about this and whine about that. But you cannot minimize uh, that Democrats have scored a huge win for the American people on many fronts. Look, longtime listeners to the show know that I really do try to play this down the middle. I make no bones of the fact that I'm a Democrat, but I, I do try. I do try to be <laughs> about this. I try. And Alicia, I give you full credit when you're right. And on the occasions where you've dunked on me or Paul, more often Paul, 
I get more fun to dunk on. Well, she's a former member of Congress. We all, if there's one thing that unites Americans, it's trashing members of Congress. It just is. It's fun. So great. Yeah. It's like recreational. But in this case, I have to say that the right wing tax activist Grover Norquist once famously said that his goal was to shrink the size of the federal government until he could drown it in a bathtub. I think that your argument against this bill has shrunk down to the size where you could drown it in a bathtub because you concede that in the long run, it is anti-inflationary. No, I concede some people say it will. Well, leading economists, including Larry Summers, who Republicans were pretty thrilled with a few minutes ago, do agree that it's going to bring down prices in the long term. So really, the objection is, well, it's not going to immediately bring down prices, although probably there's nothing that the federal government can do. You're right about that, by the way, to bring down prices in the immediate term, short of price controls, which is basically what they did in communist Russia. We're not going to go down that road. So I, I, my sense is there is not a clean hit and that the best messaging path from Republicans is ignore the bill, ignore the bill and stick with what you said the first time, which is the putting is eating and Republicans don't with that are going to say the prices are still up. You don't feel good about the economy. Vote for us. Well, the other thing I get a kick out of is I believe right on the show many times as I was railing about the gas prices, I was informed that the gas prices and by many people outside of the show too, gas prices have nothing to do with the president. There's nothing he can do. And now I get on my little way too many emails every day daily from the Democratic Party or one of the suborganizations of the Democratic Party, victory laps about the reduction on gas prices like Paul just did. So all I'm going to say is if you get to take credit for a reduction, you got to take responsibility for an increase. Well, first of all, there's a long political tradition, a proud tradition in American politics of taking credit for things that just happened to go on while you were around. It's basically the entire political game. That's what it all boils down to is, oh, look, something good happened. I guess it's because of me. There was a panda who had a baby panda. The baby panda is cute. I happen to be in office. I guess I am responsible for baby panda. So I must be doing something right here with that thought. I do want to close on something of a somber note, although a little bit of a celebratory one. David McCullough, the noted historian and chronicler of American presidents and American history, passed away at the age of 89. And for those of us who really care about American government and American history, he was a seminal figure. All of his books were an absolutely great read. I just can't commend them strongly enough to our audience. If you care about political history, history of America, you could be reading a great book on a president like John Adams, or you could just care about American history and read about the Johnstown flood, or I just finished his book about the Wright brothers, and it was a really awesome read and an insight into this incredible period of American discovery and innovation. Actually, when I was at the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard, Harvard runs the the program for new members of Congress. And I was involved in that when I was there. And David McCullough was our invited speaker. And he just raised this very inspiring note that in the history of our country, there were only 10,000 people who have been members of the U.S. House of Representatives. It was something that I think really touched a lot of the new members who were there. 
His passing does bring a close to one of the great voices in American history. But he did live to a wonderful age of 89, so it's sad, but it's also celebratory. And I just wanted to note that for all of our listeners and commend his many awesome contributions to American history to all of you. No, I agree. And the beauty of his kind of books, they're the ones that'll sit in libraries and be in, you know, kids school bags eventually. And this is a man who won the Presidential Medal of Freedom, two Pulitzers. He's he's a great name and author for us to look to. And on that note, that'll wrap it up for Balance of Power. I'm Matt Robeson, Paul and Alicia. We'll see you next time.